We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. How, how many makers and cokes have you had? We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, into another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media. We're partnered with 440 Sports, and we are coming to you on Friday morning, August 20th. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, is Justin Mello. Excited to talk about another week of Titans practice and preseason game number two. What's going on, Justin? Doing well, man. Happy to be here. We've got some fun topics to talk about tonight. Uh couple joint practices wrapped up in the books with the Buccaneers got a preseason game on Saturday with the Bucks that that should be good fun measuring stick and, and uh, we're previewing the DBs today something that we've been alluding to for a few weeks and and that's a fun group to talk about because I think there's a lot of unknowns there a lot of good healthy conversations that we could have on a very new look group right a lot of new names here a lot of changes uh to to this group over the past couple months so we've got a, a stacked episode I, I would say that's right you you outlined it well we're going to start with the talk about the bucks titans joint practices titans are down in tampa bay practicing at the bucks facility and will be playing against tampa bay on saturday 6 30 p.m central time kickoff make sure you guys are tuning into that game bruce arians did already say that the tampa bay starters most of them will not be playing but i'll be interested to see which titans starters will be playing so we'll talk about all that and then yes continuing our positional preview series talking about our expectations for the titans this year going position by position last week we finally hit on the wide receivers this week we're hitting on the defensive version of that with the secondary we're going to cover cornerbacks and safeties together today next week we're doing quarterbacks and then we'll wrap up our positional expectation previews the following week with special teams and i'm hoping that we'll know who the punt returner is who the kicker is and those types of things by that time so that'll be our our last episode before we are previewing the arizona cardinals week one so that's what's to come let's talk about the titans and the bucks Wednesday and Thursday, they were out there practicing, and just based on reading all the reports on Twitter and from the people who were there, it seems like the Titans had a really strong Wednesday, and maybe the Bucks might have come back and won the day on Thursday. What were some of your top takeaways from, from seeing these reports? Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think it's 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 good reports. It's they're fun and and a little bit to be expected, right? It sounds like the Titans got the better of the Bucks on day one. The defense, I, I think, accounted for four or five interceptions, right? Based on everything that was out there, uh, Caleb Farley had one. I think Chris Jackson had one, uh, and several others, right? We're, we're, Elijah, we're, I think Molden Elijah Molden, yeah, had and one. Hook, Amani Hooker too. I think Molden's was in a one-on-one drill, yeah. and every all the others were actually in team periods. So, right, so pretty f- impressive. I think they were. I think they were all off Tom Brady as well, right? I think it was yeah. five interceptions off Tom Brady. So it sounds like the Titans defense had a terrific day. And I mean, what a measuring stick, right? Going against the Super Bowl defending champions, the greatest quarterback of all time, and receivers like Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and Chris Godwin, right? Probably, uh, if not the best, you know, a group of receivers in the league when you look at all three of them and, and what else they have there, right? Some other weapons, Gronkowski, uh, Cameron Brate, Scotty Miller, just so many fun weapons in the passing game uh, there in Tampa Bay. So it was a, it was a great day uh, for the Titans defense. And, and I'm not surprised to hear go, going over to Thursday, which was the second day of practice, that the Bucks absolutely killed them, all right, on that side of the ball. It sounds like Caleb Farley, who was you know, apparently had a great day on Wednesday, 
sounds like had a pretty poor day on, on Thursday, right? Mike Evans bullied him. There were a lot of reports out there saying that Evans was just having his way with him almost on a snap by snap basis. Uh, Chris Godwin got him on a couple reps uh, and the and then that was kind of the theme of the day. The Buccaneers re, uh, receivers dominated Titans DBs. I don't think that's really reason to be concerned because it went the other way on Wednesday, right? To me, that's just a great football team, which Tampa Bay Buccaneers obviously are coming back maybe had their pride, uh, you know, their ego hurt a little bit on Wednesday and saying, Hey, we got to wake the F up, you know, and we, we, who that, what the hell is going on? We're really, and these guys get the better of us. Look at all the talent we have on this side of the ball. So I'm not shocked to hear that the bucks came out on Thursday uh, and, and dominated the Titans. It, it sounds like overall, when you look at the two practices that this was pretty 50, 50. Yeah. Which is a great, I mean, that's great to hear about this Titans team. Like you said, a great measuring stick here because not only are the Bucks defending Super Bowl champions, they returned every single starter on their team, and then they added pieces, obviously, in free agency in the draft to to really add depth as well. So even if it's not the ones against the ones, I mean, the Titans are getting great work out here, and to hear that they are looking more or less even with the Super Bowl champions, I think is is exactly what you want to hear at this time of year. I would say the highlight that I saw from Wednesday's practice was Farley breaking up that pass downfield for Mike Evans, which then Warren Sharp tweeted a, a still picture <laughs> of while Evans still had the ball. And when pressed, if asked if Evans caught it, Warren Sharp said, yep. And as far as I know, that tweet is still up. No correction, but Titans Twitter has really been handing it to Warren Sharp for that very strange yeah. tweet. But, but yeah, Caleb Farley did have a great day Wednesday. I, I read he got beat by Chris Godwin that on Wednesday as well. And yeah, you know, maybe those Bucks receivers got together and said, look, we're the best receiving trio in the NFL right now. And we're letting these nobodies on the Titans. Remember the <laughs> Titans defense last year was not good. We're letting them push us around. So and sure, a young they, group of DBs, right? Not just Nova, but saying, of, how are guys yeah. like, yeah, outside of Jackrabbit, how are guys like Farley, Fulton, uh, Chris Jackson, Elijah Molden, how are we losing to these guys, right? And they came back in Thursday and, and clearly showed that they uh, they did not want to lose anymore. The Titans, though, didn't have their full complement of, of weapons on offense or even close to it for either day of practice, but especially on Thursday when Marcus Johnson was also sitting out. It looks like they are probably just routine rest, maintenance days for Julio, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, Marcus Johnson included. So I, it feels like Anthony Ferkser was maybe the best pass catcher out there for the Titans, which, you know what? At certain points during the year, you're going to need to rely on your depth. Injuries, Mike Vrabel says this all the time. It's a 100% injury rate in this league. So you got to be prepared. For, like Tannehill's got to be prepared to play with these back-of-the-roster guys in case it ever happens during the year. And like we saw it in the playoffs last year when he's targeting Khalif Raymond on the most important play of the game, and he falls down, and we know what happened there. But so... I, I want to ask if you're concerned that we're not seeing some of these guys practicing yet or where you're, where you, where you feel there. So, uh, and I've got, you know, I think an interesting thing to say here, I'm not concerned yet. Keyword being yet. Uh, if that's the case in, 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 you know, two weeks from now, then yeah, ask me again and I'll, I'll change my answer. I'll tell you that I am concerned. Uh, Paul Kuharski um, of Outkick 360 had a great tweet today. Um, it was a good observation. I don't think I had seen this yet on Twitter. And I think it was today, uh, today being Thursday. I think it was today that he had said this, um, that, that he must've been tracking it. The Titans haven't had their full group on offense, uh, every starter uh, for a single day yet in training camp. So not once have we seen Julio Jones out there with AJ Brown or AJ Brown out there with Derrick Henry or, and, and yada, yada. And some of that includes offensive linemen, of course, but they haven't had a single day yet. 
uh, where they've had their full, uh, their 11, you know, their presumed 11 starters on offense together. So uh, it's, it's, it's not great, but no, I don't think it should be concerning because it's to me, I think Mike Rabel plays these things really safe, overly cautious. Look, he, I think in the back of his mind, and, and he may never say this, but you know, I think he knows they're, they're probably going to be pretty good on offense. And the most important thing is to preserve the health right of the team. And right. I don't think he worries about a guy like Derrick Henry, not getting a lot of reps this time of year, because he knows what his workload has looked like. And he knows what that workload is about to look like again. So missing time in August probably isn't the worst thing in the world for a guy like Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, you know, a 32 year old receiver, well, obviously was banged up last year. And, you know, I don't think Mike Vrabel worries about Julio Jones missing time in August. A.J. Brown, we saw his ability to play through those things last year. He was pretty much banged up the entire year. I think he had right. He had offseason surgery that nobody really knew about. On twice, both knees. Right? On, yeah, on the on ankle, both right? Knees. Both knees. He had both surgery knees. on both, Sorry, both knees. knees. And then he Instagram lived afterwards and regretted yes. doing that. <laughs> That's right. It was very funny. I think he was clearly on some meds probably provided after the surgery and he was pretty loopy. It was, it was hilarious actually. Uh, some of the stuff he was saying on that, I remember tuning into that live, but, but anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm not concerned yet, but again, ask me maybe two weeks from now as they're preparing for the Cardinals and you're really in game in game planning mode and you're getting ready for, for a real regular season game. Then you ideally you got to have the guys out there. I agree with you there. I mean, I'm, I honestly don't know how concerned I'll even be that week. And I get it. Last year, you know, we had this mystery thing with Adoree Jackson, and then he missed almost the whole season, right? And so, like, given the way the Titans don't tell us anything, sure, there could be some reason to be concerned. But I, I'm not going to get there for a while, I don't think. And the, the other reason for that is, like, yeah, you want these guys to gel, and you want them to have chemistry, and yada, yada, yada. And that's all true, but the best teams – get better as the season goes along. And if you're the same team in week 17 that you are in week one, you're not going very far in the playoffs, all right? A lot of teams get worse by week 17 because of injuries, you know, just just people getting hurt and you lose those guys. But yeah, and to kind of make a point on that, if you don't mind, sorry, as I probably interrupted here, but the thing about chemistry here is Brian Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and A.J. Brown probably aren't super worried about building chemistry between the three of them, right? They've been in this right. offense now uh, for, for several AJ Brown for two years, Tannehill for about a, a year and a half going on too. And obviously Derrick Henry for a lot longer than that. So chemistry there, I don't think you worry about when you look at the O-line, yeah, Luan is coming back from an injury, but uh, how long has Taylor Luan been a Tennessee Titan, right? Him and Roger Saffold. You're not worried about that chemistry. Ben Jones, Nate Davis. I'm not worried about that chemistry, right? The right and tackle. Saffold- yes. Saffold has even said like he and Luan are are hitting their combo blocks at the same time. They're they've got their shorthand communication down. Like he talked about this in a recent press conference that he already has he already feels like he and Taylor have that chemistry back. So again, not not worried about it. Chemistry is not something I'm worried about, to be honest, whatsoever. Even when it comes to Julio Jones, yes, being a new big puzzle piece here. Yeah, sure, it'll help him and Tannehill get some live action reps and get on the same page. But Julio Jones is a type of football player that can, let's be honest, right? You can walk onto any football field at any given time and perform, right? That, that's why he's one of the greatest receivers uh, in the modern era. That's why he's a future Hall of Famer. That's not a guy, that, that guy's so talented, so naturally gifted. 
and, and, and such a smart football player doesn't maybe doesn't get mentioned enough. The football IQ uh, from everything here is off the chart. So I don't worry about Julio Jones ability to, to come in and, and, and play that. That's what he does. It's what he's been yeah. doing since he was at Alabama and has been one of the best receivers for a long time. So I don't really worry about chemistry. And if you look at the, I mean, you want to talk about a team, the perfect example of a team that got better as the season went on. The Buccaneers last year, I mean, they got blown out by the Saints early on. They lost to the Saints twice in the regular season, but then when it came time to play them in the playoffs, they were ready and they they had improved. And, you know, it took that time to get, gather that chemistry between Tom Brady and all his new players because, you know, you're adding a brand new quarterback, you're figuring out a new offense. So, like, they had a lot more to sort through and they still figured it out over the course of the season. I feel like even if the Titans aren't at their strongest in week one and yeah every game is important but you got 17 games to get through now not 16 titans have a very late bye week so if they want to give some guys some extra rest right now in august by all means i'm all about it so i just i've been seeing a lot of tweets about well the buccaneers have all their starters out there why don't the titans have all theirs it's like well they're on different programs different coaches they use different methods to do different things and like it's stupid to compare them, in my opinion. And I think what we've seen from Mike Vrabel over these these few years now is that he, like you said, he's going to take all these things extra cautious. He's going to give give the players more time off than maybe they need. And I think his background as a player has a little bit to do with that. And just the data that the Titans track when it comes to like force exertion, using that GPS stuff and speed and all that to to really measure exactly how much force output each player is producing on a given day and knowing then if they need to dial them back the the following day or coming up the next week or whatever like i think that it's all planned out each player has an, an individual plan that's specific to him so no i think we shouldn't be worried and i think it's it's silly for people to tweet about how worried they are and i get annoyed don't tweet that at me anymore please thank you <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it's just things you can file that under the things that I'm not worried about at all right now. Again, my answer may be different and 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 maybe, maybe me and you will have a good, healthy argument two weeks from now uh, if that's the case, if this is still the case. But I, I agree with you. I think Vrabel's the kind of guy, probably one of the more cautious coaches in the league when it comes to managing reps and, and managing injuries. So for now, I, I don't think there's a reason to be concerned. All right. Let's pivot now to talk about the game itself coming up on Saturday. I mentioned earlier, 6.30 p.m. kickoff from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, Titans Bucks. Bruce Arians has already come out and said that he doesn't plan to play very many, if any, of his starters. We saw last week the Titans played most of their backups on offense and actually started with most of the starters on defense. The guys on Coach's Corner podcast, also brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, mentioned this last week how that is kind of telling about how like the offense was really good last year okay we don't really need to see too much from them in the preseason the defense was really bad last year there's a lot of moving pieces Shane Bowen's taking over as a full-time defensive coordinator you got uh, a brand new secondary almost entirely you got new pieces up front and most of those guys actually did play at least I mean a handful of snaps some guys only played like three or six three to six snaps, but they got out there on the field. Do you think that that was an intentional, maybe not a message, but sort of like a, an intentional thing? Like the defense is going to get their butts out there and the offense, we're okay with them. I think it would make, it makes sense to me 
that the defense needs the reps more than the offense does, right? I mean, the, look at the chemistry that we just talked about on offense with all the guys who have been here. And we didn't even mention, by the way, Anthony Furser and Jeff Swain and, and even Luke Stalker, who may or may not make the team, but has played in this system before, right? So yeah. Tommy Hudson's been in the system. So just so many guys who have been in this system on defense, it's kind of the opposite in a sense, right? I mean, you got Jack Rabbit Jenkins is new. You got Caleb Farley is new. Eh? Elijah Molden, Bud Dupree, uh, uh, young guys. I know they've been in there for a year, but Laurel Murchison, T.R. Tartan, who are still trying to take uh, a step forward. I mean, the, Dina Kowatri, there's just so many new pieces on the defensive side of the ball. They need the reps, right? I, I can see why a coach or a coaching staff would think the defense needs all the reps they can get. And the offense, ah, you know, they're pretty okay without them. So I kind of think we'll see something similar this weekend. I, I don't know if we need to see Ryan Tannehill at all. I don't know if we need to see Ben Jones, Roger Saffold, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, all these guys that have been taking the maintenance no. days in practice, I expect will probably be taking a maintenance day. Again, we mentioned this last week. The last time there was a preseason, 2019, Derrick Henry didn't play a single snap. I don't know if he plays a single snap this preseason either. Again, I no, don't think you need no Tannehill chance. out there. Let's see some more Logan Woodside. Let's give him another chance to play against a really good defense. Although, like I mentioned, Bruce Arians also not playing his starters, but still a good Todd Bowles system for, for Logan Woodside to go up against. And then let's see if Matt Barkley can show us a little bit more. I think we might see exactly the same type of deal you know, we saw last week where Woodside gets one half and Barkley gets the other. Even though this is the quote-unquote dress rehearsal, we've been seeing this trend, you know, uh, Last year, obviously, no preseason, but leading before last year, a lot of teams, especially the the Rams, Sean McVay, like a lot of teams decided, like, we're just not going to play any of our key players yeah. in the preseason at all. And I like that strategy. I mean, it, it sucks to not see the guys because we're excited to see them because we love football and we just want to see them play. But let's just be patient. Wait till week one and get them there healthy. So that's what I'm expecting for this for this game. I'm glad you brought up what McVay did in 29 because you're right. I mean, 2020, obviously it didn't, we didn't get a preseason, but I think that's sort of going to be a trend that we're going to see more of going forward. Look, the NFL, like most sports leagues is a copycat league, right? And then when a couple coaches start doing something that's totally new and totally different, all of a sudden you tend to see other coaches start to adopt uh, a similar thought process. So I, I think it's only going to get worse, truthfully, as time goes on. I think you'll see less and less significant players in the preseason. One thing I am interested to see with the Titans uh, is last week, and I, and I was wrong. I think I, don't, I, think I wrote an article on, on Music City Miracles where I, I said uh, that I didn't think, you know, I don't think we're going to see Kevin Byard in week one, and I don't think we're going to see Jack Rabbit Jenkins. And we did. We saw all, all those guys for at least a handful of reps. And Monty Hooker, we saw all those guys uh, against the Falcons. Uh, and it kind of speaks to what we just said, right? The defense needs the reps. Maybe the offense does it. It kind of insinuates that's how Mike Vrabel and company feel because that's what we saw against Tampa Bay. Will we, uh, during, sorry, during joint practices, not to confuse anyone, will we see that again in the game now against Tampa Bay? And I think we will. I think we'll probably see Kevin Byard. I think we'll probably see Imani Hooker. We'll see Jack Rabbit. So uh, I do think you'll see quite a bit. You won't see uh, Bud Dupree. I don't think we saw Harold Landry last week. I can't, I can't remember he did not. seeing Landry. Right. Yeah. We didn't get Landry. You, so you, you may or may not get him. I, I definitely don't think you'll get Bud Dupree and you probably won't get Jeff Simmons or Dina Kowatri either. And neither of them played last week, but I do think you'll see that. And maybe, and what does that say? Maybe, you know, are we reading too much into it, but does Rabel think the secondary needs more reps than the D line does, right? Maybe he's more confident. Jeff Simmons and Autry from what we hear have hit it off. They're both Mississippi guys. They both went to Mississippi state. 
maybe they'll and plus communication right from from a perspective where's communication most important i think you'd agree it's probably in the secondary right so these guys probably need these reps and they're young guys so be interesting to see who we see out there on saturday night i agree all right well i think that will cover our preseason week two titans bucks preview so now let's pivot again and move on to our discussion about the secondary kind of cover both of them in one here the cornerbacks and the safeties as we've done every week we're gonna run through the position group here all the names that are in play talk about who we think makes the roster how they might be deployed this season and then get into some of your listener comments submitted to me on twitter thank you to everyone who submitted something let's start off just by i'm just going to read off the list of cornerbacks you got obviously free agent edition jack rabbit jenkins you got last year's draft picks christian fulton and chris jackson you got this year's draft picks caleb farley and elijah molden and then you have other guys like breon borders and chris jones and chris jackson maybe could play a little bit of safety elijah molden maybe could play a little bit of safety but at actual at the actual safety position obviously starters kevin byard and amani hooker dane crookshank is there they recently signed some guys like bradley mcdougald Clayton Gathers. They have uh, Matthias Matthias Farley, who is a special teams ace and maybe the the number three safety, we think. And they just signed a guy named Jamal Carter. They got Brianne Body Calhoun, who I always thought was a cornerback, but he's listed as a safety on the Titans roster. And then Brady Breeze, who I'm not sure what his status is, but he was injured pretty bad in the last preseason game. He's not been placed on IR. There are three defensive backs on IR who who will not play at all this year. Kevin Peterson, Maurice Smith, and Tedrick Thompson. So those guys are not in the equation, but this is a big list of names. Obviously, we're covering two position groups here, but it's a lot of guys, and and they may keep a few hybrid guys who can play cornerback or safety. But just to start us off, how many pure corners do you think this team keeps? I'm going to go with six. I'll go with Jack Rabbit Jenkins, Christian Fulton, Caleb Farley. That makes three. I'll go Chris Jackson, four, Elijah Molden, five, and Breon Borders, six. And I'll be shocked if you disagree with me. I think that that is cut and dry. I don't I don't think there's any question that that's the group. I think it's that's a – I would put that be pretty in surprised, zone. right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, they don't really have a guy there that's – you know, I mean, Chris Jones, I, I'd be pretty shocked if he wins a job over one of those guys. I guess it's really – do they only have seven corners in camp right now? Yeah, I mean, it depends on, how again, how you count Brian Body, Body Calhoun. Yeah, and, I always uh, thought he was a corner as well. I'm with you on that. So that I'd probably put that at eight, but don't really, had, I, I don't um, really recall what he's been playing at camp. Yeah, me neither. I know Maurice Smith was playing cornerback in the right. preseason game against the Falcons, but now yeah, he's, he just he's went on IR, IR recently. So the safety position, I don't, I don't want So I want to keep talking about the corners, but the funny thing about this group is, have you ever, do you ever recall a, a Titans training camp or preseason where they've had more bodies at safety than this year? I mean, by the time someone listens to this episode, they're going to have another three safeties through the door if they keep uh, following the format that we've seen. I mean, Tedrick Thompson was there a, a few days and, and got hurt, unfortunately, pretty badly. I, I couldn't even give you the other names because there have been got other guys who were here for, it seemed like, two, three days. They're, they're really churning over that safety depth constantly. The Br- Bradley McDougald, uh, people probably don't recall this, but he was involved in the Jamal Adams trade, right? When, I when saw the Seahawks, that the Yeah, yeah <laughs> when, when the Seahawks uh, trade, made that trade with the Jets, they sent McDougald over to the Jets. He's a pretty capable player. He's got a lot of NFL experience under his belt. And so does Clayton uh, Gathers. Uh, yeah. Clayton Gathers played a lot of football as well. So I, I don't know where those guys factor in. I mean, coming late, coming this late into the mold is, is never a great thing. 
Uh, so I, I don't know what their chances are of making it, but th- those are some interesting guys that have played a lot of football. And and the Titans are dealing with a lot of injuries here. You know, Dane Crookshank, I don't know how much he's even practicing. I know he's been hurt a lot. Obviously, Brady Breeze just got hurt. Tedrick Thompson's on IR now. So they had to bring in some extra bodies just to play the position. But I think injuries that we don't know about are going to play a large role in how many they keep here and who it is. Like if Dane Crookshank still isn't ready to go by the time the season starts, then he he could be placed on IR. He could, could put him in one of those situations where they let him make the official roster and then put him on IR so they can bring him back in three weeks or whatever with the new rules. But yeah, I feel like those veteran guys, I used to think Matthias Farley was extremely safe and Matthias Farley has made a few good plays in training camp. He's come down with some interceptions. He's going to be a key special teamer, but I feel like that's the exact description that I would give to Bradley McDougal and Clayton gathers too, is like veterans who are going to play special teams who could come in and play safety if they need to. So his role, I think, is in more jeopardy now just because they added some veteran experience. But ultimately, you know, Kevin Byard and Monty Hooker are going to be your almost every down safeties. I, I, if those guys stay healthy, knock on wood, they're going to play close to 100% of defensive snaps this year. So, sure, maybe Elijah Molden works in, maybe Chris Jackson works in to three safety looks. But I don't think anyone else on this safety list is going to play a whole lot of defense like at all. No, and I think that's the hope, right? I don't think the depth here is terrific, right? And the more you look at it, the more you probably worry uh, about what the depth looks like. Because behind Bayard and Hooker, I mean, like I said, Farley, uh, I, I don't want to see what that experience looks like uh, for uh, if he had to play an every-down role, knowing that he's been such a key special teamer uh, throughout his NFL career. I mean, Crookshank, I think, is let's be honest, has probably been a little disappointing in Tennessee, there's, I think there was quite a bit of excitement when he was dragged. He's been a great special teamer. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, though. Great. He hasn't been great on the defensive side. I think people had high expectations, but from a fan base perspective, but from like John Robinson's perspective, fifth round pick, who's been a key special teamer. Was he, I thought has, he was a fourth. Was he? I think he was a fifth. Titans don't spend fourth round picks. When they do, they blow them on Des Fitzpatrick's. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> You're probably right. They, there was a couple of while there where they didn't have any fourth round picks for a long. He was a fifth. You're correct. But they traded up for him. So they did give up multiple picks to go get him. But I mean, he played well in that Ravens playoff game in 2019, but he, he hasn't did. been he asked really to play defense. Game. He had an interception on 100% of the defensive snaps he played last year, which was one <laughs> late snap against Pittsburgh at the end of a half where he picked off a Hail Mary in the end zone. Or That's terrific. I think I just expected, you know, me being a draft guy, I guess. Yeah, you know, the yeah. fifth round. You make a great point with the fifth rounder. I just remember that he had a lot of buzz coming out of the draft on draft Twitter, especially you know University of Arizona. I think he put up some great testing numbers. The film was pretty good. There was quite a bit of excitement surrounding him. Uh, so I, I'm just a little surprised that he hasn't never really carved out a role for himself on on the defense, right? As, as more been a special teams guy than anything. But so the point I'm making is when I look at the depth here at safety, it is concerning, right? If if there were to be an injury to Byard or Hooker, uh, I think they could be in a world trouble do you not agree i agree with the loss of kenny vaccaro we didn't really talk about all the guys that they lost in the loss they cut cut. him yeah they willingly (laughs) but yeah cut kenny vaccaro from the safety room they cut malcolm butler and dory jackson and and they elected not to try and pursue desmond king from the cornerback room so when we talk we've been talking about it desmond king has been blocked on twitter for the listener there's a fun story for those so if 
I was not upset that they didn't re-sign Desmond King. I'm totally happy to go in the petty mode. King has me blocked on Twitter. Pretty ridiculous why, but uh, but he has me blocked, so I was pretty happy they didn't bring him back. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't really seem to fit this defense. I was kind of surprised they even traded for him, to be honest, because he's never been good at man-to-man coverage. He's like a purely zone corner, and the Titans – Looked like they wanted to play a lot of man last year. Uh, obviously, that didn't work out. But They were really but, desperate at corner, to be fair, when they made that trade. True. Jonathan Joseph had just gotten pantsed on a yeah. snap-by-snap basis. I think they traded for Desmond King and released Joseph on the same day, on a Monday, right after a Sunday embarrassment by Jonathan Joseph. Yeah, yeah, they released Joseph and Beasley that same day. Who's with um, the Cardinals now, I think? Or no, he was last year with the Cardinals. I think he retired. Yeah, he did retire. Malcolm Butler is down in Arizona, so the Titans will face him in week one. That'll be fun. But let's talk about how we think these tit- the Titans will use these defensive backs this year because the base defense, at least the, the initial depth chart that, again, I've said many times, doesn't matter at all, only lists two starting cornerbacks. So that would that would imply that their base defense does not have a nickel. And the two guys listed right now are Christian Fulton and Jackrabbit Jenkins. So... That's not a surprise to me. I do think a lot of fans are like, why isn't Caleb Farley a starter if he's a first-round pick? But I feel like the expectations for Caleb Farley are are rightfully very high, but I think Titans fans need to be prepared for him to be brought on a lot slower than they may have initially thought for a lot of reasons. Do you agree? I do, and I'm sorry not to. I want to pose a really interesting question to you. And I think it's going to, you know, ignite a really good conversation between us. And I don't think anyone has really discussed this yet. Who do you think week one against Arizona? And I'm building up to a point because I think I already know your answer. When the Titans are in nickel, which they will be a lot, obviously, because the Cardinals and and the offense, you know, they're going to put a lot of receivers on the field and they're going to throw it around with Kyler. Who do you think are the three corners that start that Arizona game and where do they line up? So I'll I'll start this answer by just saying I don't think Caleb Farley will be one of them. And I think that that is multiple – there's multiple reasons behind it. Number one, he just hasn't played cornerback for that long. I mean he played one full season at Virginia Tech, and then he played like eight games the next season and got hurt. His back, his back flared up, and he couldn't finish the year, and that's it. Like he was a quarterback in high school. He was a wide receiver his freshman year at college, which he didn't play at all because he tore his ACL. And then he moved to the defensive side of the ball. So like – He's still very, very raw when it comes to actually playing corner. He's got extremely great physical tools. His physical skill set is unbelievable. But there's still a lot of development that needs to be made. And then secondly, is just like, is his back going to be fully ready for full contact? I mean, I mean, I know he's been cleared, but when I played the clip on the last podcast, when Vrabel was asked, is Caleb ready? He's like, Caleb's not ready to play football. It's like, oh, okay, he's not ready to play football yet. Interesting. So we'll see if he's ready for this game. I, I don't know if he will be. So a lot of reasons I don't think it'll be Caleb Farley. I do think by the end of the year, he'll, he's going to be someone they're going to rely on. And maybe, maybe they do throw him into the fire from week one just to get him that experience so that he's better and more prepared to play a lot in the playoffs. But right now, I don't expect him to be on the field. I expect those three cornerbacks to be Jackrabbit Jenkins, Christian Fulton, and Chris Jackson in the slot, which is how they started last year at Denver on Monday Night Football. Obviously, it was Malcolm Butler instead of Jackrabbit Jenkins, but it was Malcolm Butler, Jonathan Joseph, and Chris Jackson in the slot to start the season last year. I think it's going to be Jackrabbit, Christian Fulton, and Chris Jackson. So 
So I That's fully agree week, with you. My week one answer. I think that could change a lot by week 10, 12, 15, whatever. But of course, I'm, I'm so glad I know you well. I, I know you so well because I was specifically asking about week one. I thought that's what you were going to say, and I fully agree with you because I thought, or sorry, I think that that is going to be the case myself. Now, the reason I brought this topic up, I'm always building to a point, Graver. You know me. When Caleb Farley gets into the lineup, and I'm not going to, we don't need to speculate on when that is, but we can probably agree that it's, it's going to happen at some point. For sure. Who does that kick out of that lineup? Well, I think it kicks Chris Jackson out, but then the real question is who bumps inside? And Thank we've you. had a lot of offline discussions about this, not just you and me, but a lot of the guys from broadwaysportsmedia.com. Check out the website. Uh, just to, about skill sets and who fits the best in the slot. And it seemed like the Titans wanted to make Christian Fulton a slot receiver last year. Christian Fulton told us that on our podcast last year before the he season did. started. Uh, so we, we kind of had that knowledge, but... Personally, as someone who watched almost every snap Christian Fulton took at LSU and, and studied him, you know, I wrote a, a very in-depth scouting report on Fulton for MusicCityMiracles.com last February. He is an outside corner to his core. I mean, he is a very, very skilled outside corner. And his biggest weakness to me, uh, at least coming out of college, we'll see how much that's improved over the last year, is that he wasn't a great tackler. And he doesn't really like to mix it up down there at the line of scrimmage in the muck. I mean, not that he doesn't like to, but like he's not like a Kenny Vaccaro who's like running in there without a helmet on right. diving over the line of scrimmage, you know? It, we can be honest. He's more of a <laughs> modern day corner that loves covering and, and probably doesn't love to tackle. And and again, he didn't play defense until he got to college at all. I mean, he may have played two ways in high school, right? A little bit, but by the time he was the starting corner quarterback for his high school team, he probably wasn't playing a whole lot of defense anymore. So, I mean... Not a guy who's played a lot of defense at a high level to begin with, so not a very experienced tackler. But I actually think Jackrabbit Jenkins has the best skill set to play in the slot because he's a really physical guy. He's a really good tackler. He very much reminds me of Malcolm Butler, who I always said would have been a good slot guy. Because the the big difference in playing the slot, I mean, yes, you have to have quickness and and savvy because you're receiver usually has a two-way go he can usually go left or right because he's in the middle of the field and a lot of times it's on that receiver to decide which way it's an option route and it's based on the coverage right so it's a really tough coverage position to play but the nickel also has to have a huge role in stopping the run because he's close to the line of scrimmage he's down there in the box usually depending on the offensive lineup but almost always down there in the box and like you got to be ready to get in there and die actually i guess you can't do this they've changed the rules i was going to say dive at the lineman's legs to allow <laughs> players behind you to like float a graver the ball. playing dirty but apparently that's a new rule this year is that defensive backs aren't allowed to go low on offensive players who don't have the ball so we'll see how that affects defense i think that's going to change i mean that's pretty that's major for people who I, really know the i position, think but. you can <laughs> I think you can see the question I was trying to pose, uh, trying to pose though, right. Is when Caleb Farley replaces Chris Jackson in the starting lineup. Cause I think we're both going to be right about this. I do think it'll be a uh, 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 Fulton uh, Jack rabbit and Jackson to start week one. When uh, Farley replaces Jackson, what does that do to the slot position? Are you asked? That means it probably means you're asking a guy, who started at an outside corner for the first, I don't know, four weeks of the season, three, six weeks of the season, to now kick inside. 
right? When, when, when he's been playing outside the entire, probably exclusively right now, no answer that first before I pose the next part of the question. So I do think there's going to be something interesting here because the team may be planning not to have one of these guys be like a traditional full-time slot, especially with how offenses are moving around now. Like, like if the Cardinals want to put DeAndre Hopkins in the slot, like maybe Jackrabbit Jenkins slides inside to cover him and, and you play matchups and you actually put skill sets on skill sets. Or maybe, you know, it's like, all right, Chris Jackson, you got DeAndre Hopkins now because he's in the slot, right? But that's probably that's probably more realistically what it's gonna be like <laughs> the way this staff has coached it over the years. I mean, let's be honest. I think what you just said is the best case scenario. And it's what I would like to see happen personally, but I don't, it doesn't really fit with what they've done. Uh, You know, they've never really played the matchup game or they've never really employed corners and told them, yeah, you know, this snap you're outside this snap you're in the slot they've never really done that. So, I mean, I think it it would be a welcome time for them to do it now, but uh, it's kind of tough for me to see them doing so. And, you know, a guy we haven't talked about really at all yet is Elijah Molden, who you and I are both very high on as a prospect. He hasn't played a whole lot either because he's been hurt too, apparently, with some mystery injury. But now we're talking about a guy with a skill set tailor-made for the slot. I mean, he is a fantastic tackler, so I'm not worried at all about his role in the run support game. He's a good physical cornerback who knows how to use his hands within that five yard of the, five yards of the line of scrimmage to help control the receiver to make that two-way go less difficult to cover so i mean the sooner you get elijah molden up to speed and healthy i think the better because looking way ahead to 2022 and beyond you know who knows if jack rabbit jenkins is back by then or if he's still a starter because i think ideally your ideal lineup for 2022 sees christian fulton and caleb farley as locked down outside corners and elijah molden as your dedicated slot guy so do they want to get him some snaps this year to prepare for that eventuality, or are they going to bring him along really slowly? I think that's another question that we have to, to kind of ponder. Agreed. That has to be the vision for the future, right? I, I right. mean, that's why you've spent draft picks on those three guys, right? All, all of them being homegrown talents. Now, I guess the last part of this question that I want to pose to you, if we don't love the idea of, say, uh, you know, whether it's Fulton or Jack Rabbit starting one of them outside and then asking them to move to the slot when Farley is back, would you consider inserting Breon Borders into the lineup over a Chris Jackson? Borders being an outside guy and keeping Fulton and Jack Rabbit uh, in the slot permanently, right? Because then when Farley comes back, he can just replace Borders outside and potentially you have more of a seamless transition. Now, I know I asked you this question. I'm going to give my answer before before you say anything. I'm going to probably say no, I think I like yeah. the idea better of having Chris Jackson in the slot than I do having borders outside, but I'm not going to lie. There's a little give and take here. Cause I also like the reason I'm posing this question is I like the thought of whoever you're putting in the slot, you get to keep them there, right? You don't ask them to switch positions or switch spots if, in three, four weeks when Farley's ready to play. So it's a bit of a catch 22. I actually think you may not be too far off there. I don't know if Christian Fulton doesn't start. Like, I think there could be a scenario where Christian Fulton plays outside and base and and jumps in for nickel. And that's how Logan Ryan was used when he was here. That's uh, a good point. For, for a lot. I mean, not every snap, but there was a lot of snaps where Logan played on the outside in base defense and then jumped into the nickel when they brought extra defensive backs onto the field. 
I could see that happening where where Chris Jackson isn't the next guy up. It's Fulton and Jackrabbit in base, and then Breon Borders comes on when they go to nickel. Breon Borders plays outside, and that's when Fulton could slide in and play the slot. And then he is having to jump back and forth on a play-by-play basis, but that might be easier that, than that's doing That's tough, it too. On that's a tough for game. a guy that didn't play a lot of football last year, right? He's entering his second year in the league. I mean, they, they, they've got some issues here that they've got to sort out and I'm curious to see how they do so because that, that that really is interesting to me. And uh, I will end this kind of topic by saying I'll, I'll be. I mean, we've already agreed on this, but I'll be surprised if it's not Chris Jackson though. Week one, if it's not if it's not him in the slot. Yeah, I would I would lean like sixty percent towards that scenario and forty percent that it's Fulton borders Jackrabbit. So. I don't think there's a lot. I don't think you lose a lot either way. So, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see. I, I have a question about the cornerbacks before we move on and finish up with the safeties here. Who is the Titans' best cornerback in 2021? Not who, not who is, but who will be? I'm going to say uh, Christian Fulton. Me too. I do think it'll I – think it, I think there's a decent chance that it's Jackrabbit. I think a lot of people would probably say Fulton and maybe we're guilty of this as well. I think there's more, more reason to be excited about him. Look, he's a younger guy, obviously significantly younger than Jack rabbit is a guy that we all thought was worthy of being a first round pick out of LSU. So I think most people would say Fulton uh, would answer Fulton to this question. And I'm guilty of that, but it wouldn't shock me if it's Jack rabbit. I'll say that. I actually don't know if most people would say it was Fulton and maybe I'm stuck a little bit in the past two or three weeks ago, but I feel like there was this just mindset amongst the fan base that it was like, everyone was super excited about Farley. Everyone felt pretty good about Jack rabbit coming in and basically being your Malcolm Butler of this, this year's defense. But I felt like Fulton was a really forgotten guy to me in a lot of conversations. And I, I, maybe that's changed because he did, ha- he has had a few good weeks of camp now and he's starting to buzz a little bit more and get some interceptions in practice, things like that. Had a really nice pass breakup in the Falcons game, uh, preseason game on Friday night. He, he played a lot of snaps, by the way. I, I got the pleasure of having access to some all 22 footage from that game. And I was specifically watching Christian Fulton. I thought Humble he looked break, really the all 22. Look at you. I thought Christian Fulton looked really, really good. And so I agree. I think Fulton is about to have like a breakout season to where it's not just Titans fans who know him, but it's like, hey, watch out the next great shutdown corner. I think he profiles very similar to like a Jair Alexander type of player to me. He's long. He's he's really good in man coverage. He can play physical at the line of scrimmage when he has to, but he doesn't always. He, he's really good about changing up his jams at the line so the receivers aren't able to get a beat on what he's doing. And I don't know. I don't know if uh, Pro Bowl season's in the cards because I don't think he's going to have that kind of, you know, just notoriety in the media and and that kind of buzz. But I do think he's going to be the clear cornerback one for the Titans this year. And then Caleb Farley might start to come on over the second half of the season. I'm excited to see how this group plays out. I think the corners, I'm being totally honest, trying to remove our our, our obvious, you know, probably biases from our analysis here is that this could go – extreme one way or the other. Um, and as is me being, I can see this group, if things go well, I can see them being great. I can see, you know, if Farley comes on along and can play and, and Jack rabbit shows that he can hang still. And Fulton has a year that we think he's capable of having it. And Molden is the maybe movable chess piece who, who plays a role. I think things can go really well. I also think things can go really bad for this group. I, I think I, I can see Jack rabbit 
maybe not as extreme, but being a little bit like Jonathan Joseph last year, I, th- I, th- I don't think that'll be the case, but I can see him looking at, you know, potentially maybe looking a bit past it at, at some point. That was not the case last year. It looks like he's one of those guys that's got a fountain of youth. He was yeah. really good for New Orleans last year as a veteran. I'm just saying worst case scenario. It wouldn't shock me if he struggles a little bit as he continues to get older. I can see Farley, as we said, you know, the injury situations, not having a ton of experience on defense yet. I can see, you know, that maybe not being an ideal rookie year. I can see Fulton, you know, get, still getting acclimated to the league. I can see Chris Jackson maybe showing that. I don't know, you know, that this is an NFL caliber slot corner. I can see Molden having his injury issues for a rookie as well. You know, the, there are a lot of things that can go right here, and there are a lot of things that can go wrong here. Yeah, you're, you you definitely said that very well. I mean, last year, I thought the Titans had a great group of cornerbacks with <laughs> Malcolm Butler, Adoree Jackson, and rookie Christian Fulton. We thought they had and some then, pass rushers, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. I mean, in, I do think injuries were the big culprit last year, obviously. I mean, Adoree right. got hurt the week before the season started. Fulton was hurt the whole year, and Malcolm Butler played pretty well, but he was, you know, the only – Really good cover corner out there. Breon Borders put some good weeks on tape and then had a really bad game against the Browns and everyone stopped liking him after that. <laughs> there was um, a whole lot of, okay, now I know why Breon Yeah, <laughs> But, I mean, his worst play, he, he just bit way too hard on play action with yeah. no safety help and got burned over the top in like a cover three. Remember that play really coverage. well. <laughs> but um, overall, though, I have pretty, pretty, pretty high expectations for this group of cornerbacks if they can stay healthy. I mean... That caveat has to be applied to every position group for every team in the league. But I'm really getting annoyed. I know it doesn't mean anything and I shouldn't be annoyed, but it does annoy me when I see all these national pundits talking about teams that got better or worse this offseason and like who they're looking forward to. And everyone seems to say the Titans defense was so bad and it was it was so bad last year. So it's going to be so bad again or it's so it was so bad last year and they lost all their starting secondary. It's like, no, they chose to get rid of that starting secondary because they were so bad, like not acknowledging the potential improvement has been annoying to me. Now, I don't expect it, but it, it would be nice to see at least somewhere somebody say, hey, if all these new cornerbacks, the Titans add come together, this could be a really good group. And the last thing I'll say about that is that defensive performance from year to year is proven to be one of the most volatile stats in football. Defenses don't stay good very long, and they also don't stay bad very long. And a large part of that is because injuries can really derail a defense, I think, more so than on offense. I think that you know, if you have poor communication or if you have one weak link, you can just, an offense gets to choose where they go with the ball. The defense doesn't, right? So if there's one weakness that an offense can just target and exploit over and over again, there's not a whole lot you can do about it on the other side. So I think we're, we're going to see a better, a much better Titans defense. I think they're much closer to league average, if not above league average this year. And this secondary is going to have a huge role in that. So with that said, let's talk about the, the safeties now. Obviously, Kevin Byron and Monty Hooker are going to play, like I said, majority of the snaps. But how do you think these guys are going to be used? Because this is something that we've had some comments from the Twitter listeners chime in about here. But I'll let you take it away, and then we'll get into these comments. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually excited to dive into those comments. And, uh, you know, Amani Hooker replacing Kenny Vaccaro, they, they almost couldn't be more different types of players, right? So be really interesting to see how the Titans handle that and, and how they deal with their starting safeties now and which positions they put them in. 
Yeah, for real. So I, I think that you're going to see Bayard around the line of scrimmage more often because I don't know if Hooker is the same kind of physical player that Kenny Vaccaro was. And I think he's a much better deep safety kind of kind of center field type of safety than Kenny Vaccaro was. Not that Vaccaro couldn't do that because Vaccaro was pretty versatile himself. But I really think Bayard and Hooker have pretty similar skill sets. Bayard has more experience. He's the, like the captain of the defense. So I think you'll see him around the line of scrimmage a lot uh, in run in run support, especially. And you'll see Hooker kind of floating around the back. But we have some comments here that that really disagree. It all started with one of our most loyal listeners, Jacob Sane at Jay Sanity asked, should we expect to see Bayard play closer to the box more often while they let Hooker be more of a true ball hawking free safety? I think his knowledge of the defense might be better used closer to the line of scrimmage. Fully agree with Jacob Sane. And somebody else came along and said, this is, uh, his username is hashtag Unleash the Titans, at Mike Ruark 2. Bayard should not be at the line of scrimmage. Dude is more of a ball hawk than Hooker could ever be. He's good in the box, but let's not forget that apart from last year, Bayard was the best in the business at PBU interceptions. Now, I don't disagree that Bayard is an excellent ball hawk, but I don't know if he's more of a ball hawk than Hooker could ever be. I mean, Hooker tied for the team lead in interceptions last year despite playing just over half the snaps. I mean, four, four interceptions last season. Granted, one of those was off a tipped ball, but most of them were pretty good plays. A Lamar Jackson overthrow of Hollywood Brown that he was there for. He dove in front of a pass to Sean Watson through for a nice interception. I mean, he, he is a ball hawk himself and he was the same way in college too so i'm pretty high on hooker playing that ball hawk role and it's not that i don't think that byard isn't good at that because obviously i mean former league leader of interceptions himself kevin byard and he had 19 interceptions in college i mean he's obviously definitely a ball hawk it's just my worry here is that hooker isn't going to be as good at the line of scrimmage and what i know that hooker is good in the center field so put your players in the best position to succeed Maybe Kevin Byard doesn't have those the same kind of interceptions, interception numbers he had prior to last year, you know, but that's not the most individual interception numbers are not the goal here of the defense, right? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, and by the way, I want to shout out to uh, Luke from A to Z because he kind of joined in on the conversation, oh, provided yeah. some good insight there on Twitter, said that it's gone back and forth during camp in relation to uh, where we've seen Bayard line up and where we've seen Hooker line up. Uh, it's gone back and forth during camp, but it's mostly been Bayard close to the line of scrimmage. So, and that's what I've expected, right? I, I agree with you that uh, as much as I love Bayard as a ball hawking guy, uh, and in the middle of the defense, I think he's so terrific at that. You mentioned all the interceptions we saw at MTSU. We've seen him lead the NFL in interceptions as a Titan. But when I'm analyzing the two skill sets right now, and I've got Hooker and Bayard, it's such a big, for me at least, it's such a big change uh, from having Bayard and Vaccaro. It was so easy to define those roles, I think, in the past. I think, as you said, yeah. I think Vaccaro had a bit of ability to do that, but there was no doubt that he did his best uh, work near the line of scrimmage. So now that you have Byard and Hooker uh, in the mix, and I think both of them being so good at, at being that ball hawking kind of guy, well, one of them has to, you know, quote unquote, make a bit of a sacrifice and, and handle that role near the line of scrimmage. And I do think it's going to be Kevin Byard this season, and I think he's going to be really good at it. I'm especially excited to see him play uh, maybe a bit more coverage on tight ends. Right, yeah, lining up like on a, on a slot tight end type of role. And I think it, that versatility is going to allow the defense to be a little bit more to disguise some certain looks have, you know, hookers starting in the line of scrimmage and the quarterback doesn't know if he's going to stay up there as the box safety or drop back right as soon as the snap goes off. So I think you kind of utilize that to, to the defense's advantage. 
Going to start some some more comments here. At Stony Von Owens had a quick one. Said Molden at nickel. Farley starting by end of October. And I want to read another one here. Igor Shesterkin Enjoyer at Shesty Enjoyer says, I think Caleb Farley will start by week five or six-ish. Hard to keep a kid that talented off the field. As far as nickel goes, I'm hoping Molden, but expecting Chris Jackson to start the season. So right in line with some of the things we're thinking of here. Uh, Stoney is a little high on Molden and, and says Farley starting by end of October. That's kind of the same timeline that Igor threw out there. So... I don't know. I'm with our listeners on those two comments. I don't know how soon we see Molden at nickel, but I mentioned before, you know, the sooner the better, right? I agree, but I'll be shocked if Molden ha- plays a, a week one role in the Me squad too. or a starting role. I, I think, again, we've kind of said this already, but uh, I, I can almost guarantee you that it's going to be Chris Jackson. Yeah, agreed. Uh, ben P at Ben Patton 16 says, I wouldn't be surprised if Farley plays week one, but not a huge role. As for when he'll start, maybe week four or five if everything is going good. I expect Jenkins to be better than Butler and Fulton to be solid, but have bad moments. Slot could be rough until Molden steps in slash Fulton moves. This is a pretty well thought out comment, in my opinion. I, I agree. Farley could get on the field week one, even if he's not the starter, you know, Everyone needs a break every now and then. If he comes in, you know, it's like the third or fourth series of the game to give some of these other guys a breather, throw him in the fire, see if he can make some plays or, or get burned. Either way, you know, it'll be a learning experience for him. I think that that is possible. We could see Farley week one. In that I, I would love that. I would absolutely, even if it's, uh, you know, a, a 15, 20 snaps, right? Or, or, or 10, 15 snaps. I mean, it's uh, look, he's pretty much been all systems go lately, right? I mean, he practiced here against Tampa Bay quite a bit, obviously, on Wednesday and Thursday during those those joint practices. So, I mean, uh, outside of a confidence thing, you're worried about mental lapses. You're worried about kind of some of the things that Mike Vrabel has talked about, right? When he said he's a long way away kind of thing. Then uh, outside of that, I'd love to see him get on the field, at least for a couple of plays against Arizona. Yeah, really. Uh, Dante senior at Dante senior five says starts with the defensive coordinator excited. Schwartz is the senior assistant. Shane Brown has to prove he's the right man for the job. Are we going to give Dante the benefit of the doubt here and, and assume that Shane Brown is a typo? I do think he means Shane Bowen. And look, uh, this isn't a defensive coordinator episode, but it's obviously a big, big year for Bowen, uh, who, who's got Jim Schwartz now, right? As a senior defensive assistant and uh, potentially uh, uh, a guy in waiting, right? For a job if it were to open up. So it's a huge year for Bowen and that that's obviously uh, an understatement. All right, this is the last comment I'm going to read before we close this episode out. And it's just because I'd be remiss if I ended this show without saying something about it. But Jay Cruz at... PayPL1 has a comment I don't really agree with at all, but I'm going to read it. AB punked Chris Jackson and Titans D is looking soft. Charmin soft. I don't know about that at all, but Antonio Brown did land a punch square to the jaw of Chris Jackson today. And George Walker of the Tennessean got a great shot of it, posted it on Twitter. It's been flying around. Warren Sharp made a meme out of it. I mean, it's it's going to be a pretty overused photo meme i think here but antonio brown just 
ripped off Chris Jackson's helmet and punched him square in the face during today's or during Thursday's joint practice with the Bucks. <laughs> what do you think of that? I think it was Antonio Brown being Antonio Brown. Yeah, uh, no kidding. Not shocked, unfortunately, but sounds like Chris Jackson got under his skin a little bit. Hopefully, he got a shot in that we that we didn't see. Maybe, maybe, maybe he he connected with a punch that we don't know of. But uh, I do imagine that picture is going to make its rounds. All right. Well, we did it. We previewed preseason week two Titans at Bucks Saturday, 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Tune in and go to broadwaysportsmedia.com afterwards to get all the coverage after the game wraps. We also previewed the secondary, including the cornerbacks and the safeties. What a jam-packed episode we finished. Congratulations to us. I'm proud of you, Justin. I'm proud of me. That's all we got, folks. Do you want to throw anything else out there before we close this episode? No, I think this was a, a good, fun episode. Again, I, w- I was really into that conversation about what happens week one and, and what it looks like from there, uh, assuming Farley is obviously ready to step into a bigger role as time goes on. And, and that's something that I do want to monitor. And I'm sure you and I will revisit that topic uh, whenever we see Farley uh, play a more prominent role. Uh, not even not even till then. I mean, just week one, period. Were we right? Was it Chris Jackson in the slot or did Breon Borders uh, play inside so they get Fulton or, or Jack Rabbit comfortable? Uh, in a spot that they'll be sticking in. And I, I can't wait to see how that plays out. Same, same. All right, you guys, make sure you're heading over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Make sure you're following Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. If you check out shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com, we got a lot of new stuff going up there. Got a cool Ryan, AJ, Julio, Derek and Taylor. I don't know if I said that right, but it's our most popular shirt of the off season right now. We got a cool Tulio, two-tone Tulio shirt up. The Flex has a shirt finally. So check that stuff out. And we got a discount code, 15% off with code FLEX15. That's supposed to be only for our Flex listeners, but I care about you guys too. So I'm giving that code out on this show. Hopefully Zach doesn't get mad. (laughs) I'm I'm sure Zach's always mad about something, so I'm sure he'll get upset. But uh, the Ryan and and Derek and AJ and Julio and Taylor in brackets shirt is terrific shirt. And if you haven't seen, I mean, Taylor Lewan himself uh, got a hold of the shirt, posted it on his Twitter, said it was, quote unquote, the best shirt ever made. So I think he said uh, the greatest shirt ever made. They're the greatest shirt ever made. Ryan, Derek, AJ, and Julio and Taylor. The greatest shirt ever made. By far the greatest shirt ever. By far the greatest shirt ever, he said. I mean. You heard it, folks. I mean, you're, you're playing this audio on the show, right? Oh, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> you just heard Taylor Luan call that shirt. the By far the greatest shirt ever made. So head over to, uh, you gave out the URL, shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com. And pick pick yourself up a shirt. You're probably going to see Taylor rocking that uh, throughout the season at some point. He's a big fan of the shirt. So go ahead and get yourself one. All right, you heard it from Justin. Get yourself a shirt. You heard it from Taylor. Greatest shirt ever made. You heard a lot of stuff from us tonight. That will do it. We will be back next week to preview the Titans' third and final preseason game as well as our quarterback expectations episode. So tune in next Friday for that. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.